Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. My daughter works for a ministry. We're not gonna do those notes. My daughter works for a ministry um, called Ames, and we support their ministry. We support the work that Joy is involved with, and um, we got to see my daughter. She, she lives in Colorado Springs where their headquarters is, and she flew out to the, the wedding and um, to the beach. So we got to, to really catch up with Joy and, um, and hear some stories about what God is doing. They, Ames, specifically works with people in countries that are not open to the gospel all around the world. Um, and uh, most of these nations are either Muslim nations or have other local tribal uh, religions that absolutely would not allow Christianity to be preached or shared in any way. And what they do is they specifically target um, believers from that nation with discipleship tools and, and, and training tools to send them out as missionaries in their own country. So um, let's say they were from the country of Texas and they were believers in Jesus and they wanted to go to the city of Houston, which definitely needs Jesus. And um, so, so they would get trained up to go be a missionary in their own country. You see what I'm saying? Because they already speak the language. They already, they already have the right you know, uh, color skin to get into a remote village. And um, these people love the Lord. So uh, a few years ago, we, uh, Beloved, our women's ministry, sponsored a woman. I'm trying to remember what is, what's careful. Is the nation that that woman in is public or no? I have to be so careful. Okay, that nation is public. So we sponsored a woman in Nepal who, um, I guess she's from the city, but she had a, such a heart for her own people that were up in the mountains. So uh, through Uncommon's financial support and the training of Ames, they sent her up into the mountains, and it's been more than two years now. She's still there, and she has led dozens and dozens of people to Jesus. Now, you have to understand, these are not people that can just turn on Christian television or Christian radio. These are not people that have access to, like, high-speed internet. They are remote people that have never heard the name of Jesus. So the work that she is doing is just unbelievable. So I love that our church is partnering with people like her and ministries like Ames. And so much so that Beloved then added another woman to go out into the field and to work with her. That's the type of ministry they do. There's usually not hundreds or thousands of people born again, but one by one, people are putting their faith in Jesus. We got to see some videos and pictures that can't be shared publicly. If they were ever shared publicly and for some reason the information got back, um, these people, these men and women that are believers in Jesus, both those that are ministering and those that are receiving the ministry, could be killed for hearing the gospel. They could be killed for sharing the gospel. It, 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 and it is done not in large auditoriums. It's done in people's living rooms. It's done in campfires. There's one brother that um, he would send pictures from his country where he's ministering the gospel under a tree outside of the village because they had to be in the shade because it was so hot and they had to be away from other people that might hear what's going on and then cut their heads off. There's one country that we saw pictures from, and I can't share with you what nations we're talking about. I have to, um, I have to be very careful, because you know me, and I want to tell you everything, but we're, we're on the internets. 
um, we saw pictures of a nation where there was a small group of people and they were baptizing um, uh, new people that put their faith in Jesus like in a, in a muddy like pond. But they so desperately wanted to be baptized because they had put their faith in Jesus in their hearts and they wanted to make a public declaration of their faith knowing that this very act could get them killed. Here we have this you know, $4,000 hot tub basically with warm water and it's purified and clean and all that and we still can't get people to get baptized after they put their faith in Jesus. There's one nation that we saw pictures of where up in the villages, the people were so against Jesus, but they're also against cutting people's heads off. They, they spread the word. If you put your faith in Jesus, we're not going to kill you, but we are going to force you to work in the, the village sewage plant, like where the pipes come to and somebody has to scoop out the solids and the liquids. If you put your faith in Jesus, that's what you're going to do. And it's almost like an incentive I think the people that made those threats were thinking nobody would put their faith in Jesus because nobody wanted that job, but people were gladly singing worship songs while shoveling other people's crap. And I wondered if that were the case in America. If, if you would be outcast from your city, if you would be potentially killed for your faith, if you would be forced to shovel other people's crap, but you could be a follower of Jesus, would you do it? Or would you just want to go to the best church with the best programs, with the best music, with the best preacher, with the cushiest chairs and the best air conditioning and, and everything is the best for you? Are we in this thing for us or are we in this thing for Jesus to be glorified on the earth? Because I have a concern and a fear for the church in the West, specifically the church in America. Why do we sit week after week receiving the very best teaching on the earth? I, I, I listen to other preachers. Uh, what's, what we are given in this country is amazing. But we weren't meant to receive it and then dam it up and not give it out. When a river is dammed up and there's no outlet, it becomes rotten. The American church has got to realize that we are not meant to simply receive. We are meant to also give out. And that is not just for the preacher. That's not just for the famous person on YouTube. It's for every single believer in Jesus that we would study our Bibles. Speaking of our Bibles, some of these nations, some of these villages, they don't even have a whole copy of the Bible in their native language. They just have a few chapters that groups like Wycliffe Bible Translators and others have translated. They're not even great translations. They're doing the very best they can. But these brothers and sisters, we saw another picture of a Bible study where this woman was teaching and just reading and then they would discuss and the very fact that they were doing so, they were putting their lives in danger. There was no air conditioning, there was no video screens. There was no kids program. It was just families sitting around and most people couldn't even read and write, but those that could would read and they would discuss what the Bible means. And I'm over here like we have the Bible in like 87 English translations and I can't get most people to read one of them. 
what are we doing here? Why do we do what we do? Why do we have this church? Why am I in this job? If I can't get people to get serious about studying the word of God, about being hungry for his presence, about wanting to live holy, about receiving what we can and then taking that love and that gospel message and sharing it everywhere we go. I think in my personal opinion that heaven is shocked that the whole world hasn't been reached yet. I'm sure in the ancient world, the disciples were all murdered for believing in Jesus. They got up there, big hug with Jesus, and then they went back to the balcony of heaven and they were like, all right, boss, what's the plan? Well, the plan is for those that put their faith, those that you guys were teaching, that they're gonna teach other people. Um, what happens if they get so comfortable that they stop sharing their faith with others? They stop loving other people. They get pious. They separate themselves from people that don't believe like them. They judge other people for the way they live their lives and they never share their faith. And the gospel message stops. If, that, if, if, the, if plan A is the church, what's plan B? And Jesus looks and says, there is no plan B. So the angels are like, hey, we better give them some like sailing ships that can go around the world. So God gives somebody an idea to build great sailing ships to go around the world, and what do we do? We use them to rape and pillage other countries to steal all their gold and spices. I'm like, well, whoops. So now what do we do? What if they could have like a, a train system, like they'd run tracks, and then they'd have these steam locomotives that could take the gospel to the nations? Well, they, they didn't do the job, Lord. The, the gospel still hasn't spread that far. Well, right, let's give them automobiles so they're not stuck with the tracks. They can go wherever they need to go to tell people about Jesus. Well, they just put glass packs on them and souped them up and made them go real fast. And then they added flat screen televisions to their, 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 their like, I don't think they got it, Lord, that the purpose of their car was to get the gospel message to the nations. All right, here we go. Here's a big one. Let's get some bicycle builders to go to North Carolina and jump off a cliff with a wing strapped to their back. And one day we could move people around the earth at 550 miles an hour. Surely no corner of the earth will be cut off from the gospel message because Christians are gonna wanna get on these flying metal tubes and take this beautiful gospel message to the nations. Yeah, they just wanted to go to the beach and they wanted to go see the Eiffel Tower and they wanted to go to Scotland and see the green rolling hills and they wanted to go to Australia and put another shrimp on the barbie. They didn't, they didn't use it like we had intended. Well, then we'll use satellite television and then we'll use YouTube. We'll do whatever it takes. I know, but why is there so much money in the American church and they won't put it into the nations? I don't know, but that was my plan. And the devil's over here like, hey, I have an idea. What if we could get most of the Western culture addicted to pornography and lust? and they'll be feeling so ashamed of themselves and beating themselves up all the time that they'll never even think about going to church, let alone going anywhere else for Jesus. I have an idea. What if we could get people to wonder if they should drink or not? And they decided they should, so then they get a good buzz on whenever they feel like they need to self-medicate their pain. Or why don't we bring into question whether or not we should smoke weed or not? The Lord's like, I know, but in the Bible it says you shouldn't be drunk with wine. Surely people could draw the connection that I don't want people out of their mind, so they're not going to get high. 
And the angels are like, well, the American church missed that message. And then the devil's like, I have an idea. What if we just confuse everybody that you were ever real, that the Bible is even true? We'll confuse people on how many genders there are. And somebody was like, that would never happen. Our mission in this life is to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Matthew chapter six, Jesus is teaching here. Let's cross-reference, let's go into the sermon a little bit. Scroll down, Hannah, to the Lord's Prayer. Slow down. There you go. I'll go back up. You're right. There it is. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray. He says, I want you to pray like this. He didn't say pray this, he said pray like this. Use this as your outline for more prayer. Don't pray this, pray like this. And don't pray it in the King James because you don't speak King James. Pray it from your heart. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need. Forgive us of our sins just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Don't let us yield to temptation. Rescue us from the evil one. I wanna focus on a few things. First of all, this is not the Lord's prayer. This is our prayer that he taught us to pray. Why is it not the Lord's Prayer? Because in the middle of it, he teaches us to ask the Lord to forgive us of our sin. Jesus has never sinned. So it's our prayer. This is a prayer that Jesus is teaching us because he wants us to have an intimate connection with God as a father, not as a cosmic space daddy, but that we would have a father. The very first words, pray like this, our father, it's not a religious activity. It's a relationship. It's a bond that's being shared with a loving father. Father, I'm asking for your kingdom to come on the earth, for your will to be done in my everyday life. And this kind of prayer, just like it is in heaven, let it be released on the earth. This should be the backbone for every prayer that you pray. And if the only prayer that you've prayed in the last week is for God to bless your Chick-fil-A, you don't have a prayer life. Lord, let heaven come on the earth in my life. Let your world impact my world. And Lord, if you've got it in heaven, I wanna see it here on the earth now. I don't wanna wait to have, I want heaven to come in my heart, I want heaven to come in my mind, I want heaven to come in my marriage, I want heaven to come in my kids, I want heaven to come in my body, I want heaven to come in my finances, I want heaven to come in my neighborhood, I want heaven to come in my city. I need heaven to come. Not that it's some distant intergalactic thing we strive for, but that heaven would come now. I also point out to you that we're not praying. He didn't teach us to make requests. We're making declarations. There's a difference between a request and a declaration. 
We're not begging God. He's the one who taught us to pray like this. He wants it done more than we do. See, too often we're afraid to pray because we're, we don't, well, I just want to pray in line with God's will. For 2,000 years, God's will is for heaven to come on the earth. He wants us, by faith, to declare that his kingdom, that the kingdom of heaven would come on the earth, that his will would be done on the earth. To be clear on whose job description is what, and this is gonna mess with the American church. My job is not to get to heaven. My son knows where I'm going, I recognize his voice. My job is not to get to heaven. Well, if I could be good enough, if I could stop smoking weed enough, if I could stop looking at porn enough, if I could stop whatever enough, maybe I'll get to go to heaven. By repenting of our sin and making Jesus the Lord of our life, we are already guaranteed eternity in heaven with God. So actually, his job is to get me to heaven. My job is to get heaven to earth. Father, I'm asking for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. So according to that prayer, it's my job to pray and to get heaven to come down on the earth. It's my job to get the kingdom of heaven to be released on the earth. That's what I'm supposed to be doing today, this week. Whatever you do this week, your job is to bring heaven to the earth. And I think that sometimes we just expect that we will experience heaven when we die. Why wait? The, it's, God gave us an invitation to experience heaven now, to operate in the power of heaven now. And if we're doing Christianity right, when we die, heaven won't be such a shock because we would have already been living in heaven on earth. So what are we praying down? What are the six things that I'm gonna give you to pray down? In heaven, there is no place where there is no God. The presence of the Lord is in every nook and cranny of heaven. So the first thing we're praying down is his very presence to the earth. Lord, there's no part of my life that I don't want your presence. There's no part of my work, there's no part of my parenting, there's no part of my singleness, there's no part of my finances, there's no part of my body, there's no part of my entertainment that I don't want your presence. And I can tell you right now, most of what entertains the American church does not entertain Jesus and his presence is not there. Sometimes people wonder how Josie and I live our lives like, being a pastor is like living in a fishbowl and everybody wants to look at you and judge everything, every decision you make. We are not perfect people, we're sinners uh, that have been redeemed by grace. We're actually, we're no longer sinners, we're saints, just like you. But sometimes we struggle, sometimes we say things we shouldn't say, we do things we shouldn't do, but there is an overarching goal that our passion is to pursue his holiness. So there's a lot of entertainment. So people will say, hey, did you see so-and-so movie? Honestly, I didn't. Now clearly I saw Top Gun, and that's why I'm growing this Miles Teller nasty-looking mustache. 
It's sad to me that you would clap more for Top Gun than you would for his presence, but that's fine. I'm also praying for Miles Teller's abs to come. There's a lot of books that we don't read and that we didn't, there's a lot of things that our children didn't watch as children. There's a lot of Disney programs that, the only power I wanted my children to be introduced to was the power of God, not the power of the devil. Hold, 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 hold those verses, I'm going back to that. I'm off the rails again, by the way. If you want something different than what the world's offering, you're gonna have to live different. Let me move on. If I owned a home and I bought a second home and I moved into my other home and my first home I put on the market for rent. We sign a contract, a lease, you pay me whatever, 2,000 bucks a month and you move into my home. It's my home, I own it. My name is on the title. It is my domain, it is my property. But for a season, I've given you dominion of my home. Can I let you in on a little secret? Legally, I don't have permission to enter in to that home. It's your dominion, because I've temporarily given you dominion over that place. I cannot come into your home, which is my home, without an invitation. The Lord's Prayer, he's teaching us to invite his presence into our homes, but he will not come until we invite him. So many churches, so many lives, so many marriages, so many people, they look at their life and go, I just don't feel like I have God's presence in my life. Have you been diligent to invite him in? What's the second thing? Oh, the second thing is worship. You can scroll to the second thing. There it is, there it is. The second thing in heaven is worship. If you sat through our 45 minutes of worship this morning and you were like, wasn't a fan of that. <laughs> That's because we weren't singing to you. <laughs> it, we don't do worship for you. We do worship for him. We're practicing for heaven because that's one of the things that when you open the Bible and you read about what heaven's gonna look like, there's a whole lot of worship going on. Revelation chapter four, John has this picture, this window into heaven, and here's what he saw. I looked and I saw a door was standing open into heaven, and then I heard a voice spoke to me earlier like a trumpet blast, and that voice said, come up here. I'm gonna show you what needs to happen after all this. Instantly, I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. For time, I'll skip verses six, seven, and eight where John saw these four creatures that were bowing down before the throne and their song was holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God. Skip down to verse nine. 
Whenever these living beings would give glory and honor and thanksgiving to the one who was sitting on the throne, the one who is living forever and ever and ever, the 24 elders would then fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever and ever. And they would lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy. You alone, Lord our God, are worthy to receive all the glory and the honor and the power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. Worship and honoring God exists in heaven, so that's what we're praying down to the earth. And I'm not encouraging you to pray down a little 30-minute song session. I'm encouraging you to pray down a lifestyle that all day, every day is worship, that all day, every day you're bringing honor and glory to the Lord in everything you do. If the only worship that you've done in the last week is the 30 minutes we just did, you do not have the heart of a worshiper. You don't understand how worship works. Because his goodness is great 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. God's goodness is not only worth being worshiped for 30 minutes on a Sunday. Later, John gives us this a beautiful description. Here's your homework. Read Revelation chapter 21. But the last verse says, in verse 27, this is the third thing. Nothing evil will ever be allowed to enter. He's talking about heaven. Nothing evil will ever be allowed to enter, nor anybody who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, only those whose names have been written in the Lamb's book of life. In heaven there is no evil. In heaven there is no sin. We should be living our lives with such holiness that when we transition to heaven, we don't feel a big change. Too often we're looking at how much sin can we get away with. We should be saying how much holiness can I possibly walk in? Number four, what's not in heaven? I mean, obviously there's no sin, there's no evil, but what's not in heaven? There is no sickness in heaven. So therefore, you have an invitation from Jesus himself to pray heaven on the earth, meaning every single sick person you can pray for, for God to heal them. Well, what if God gave them that cancer to teach them a lesson? I cast out the spirit of stupid in Jesus' name. <laughs> I have three children. I love them passionately and desperately. They have been raised well. They love God. They're good people. But they made mistakes as children. They sometimes sinned as kids. My correction for them was never to give them a disease to teach them a lesson. We have a loving Father in heaven, and Jesus taught us to pray that the kingdom of heaven would be released on the earth, and there is no sickness in heaven, therefore that is what we should pray on the earth. I know, but I've prayed and this person died. Me too, many, many times. But I've also prayed and some people have been healed. So let's keep praying. All right, number five, what's not in heaven? There's no fear in heaven. Ever the last two and a half years, the American church, the, the Western culture, we have been gripped with fear. I was traveling a lot the last two weeks. Um, many people are starting to venture out and travel, but you can tell they, they're living in such fear. 
They lost grandparents, they lost loved ones. Don't get me wrong, I understand. But we as believers in Jesus, we cannot live in fear because Jesus taught us to pray, his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, and in heaven there is no fear. There is no fear of death, there is no fear of the economy, there is no fear of, of FOMO, like there's just no fear. So anytime a Christian is like, yeah, well this thing has happened, but my only fear is, whoa, 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 stop, Christians should have no fear. Oh, I know what you mean, but my fear is, no, stop saying that. Because you're speaking something that you're now gonna live out. So no wonder you're struggling with fear, you're speaking fear. There is no fear in heaven. There should be no fear on our lives on the earth. Last thing is this, number six. There's no shame in heaven. Genesis chapter two, before Adam and Eve fell into sin, verse 25 says that the man and his wife were naked and felt no shame. One of the many byproducts of their sin in chapter three was shame. Well, we're still struggling thousands of years later with shame. You're not smart enough, you're not rich enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not tall enough, you're not short enough, you're not connected enough, you're not funny enough, you're not serious enough, you're not gifted enough, you're just not enough. There's something that's fundamentally wrong with you. That is a lie from the actual pit of hell. And our counsel from Jesus is to pray heaven on the earth, and in heaven there is no shame. That is not who you are. God says that you are chosen. You are a a child of the Most High God. He loves you. He's crazy about you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You should rest in who he created you to be and not allow the lies of the enemy to shame you and disqualify you. I love the way that Matthew summarized the Lord's Prayer at the end of Matthew chapter 6. In verse 33, he says, Uncommon church, I just basically want you to seek the kingdom of God above everything else and live righteously. And then he's going to give you everything you need. Pursue the kingdom more than wealth. Pursue the kingdom more than fame. Pursue the kingdom more than anything in this world. Pursue the kingdom, and then he'll gladly give you everything you need. Hop up on your feet. Would you still love Jesus if it meant you would be poor, if it meant you would be alone, if it meant you could be killed, if it meant you'd have to shovel poop in a sewage factory? Would you still love Jesus if it would cost you everything? Do you like Jesus or do you love Jesus? Because it is my personal opinion that there is a season and a time coming when the Lord is gonna separate the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the chaff, and there are people in his bride that are pursuing heaven on earth through their lives, and there are many people that are just going through the motions. I'm asking you, would you please consider surrendering your life to Jesus, falling in love with him, and being a conduit for heaven to touch earth. We all know how lightning strikes that, well actually none of us have a clue, but scientists tell us that energy is built up when the clouds are moving, positive and negative, is crashing into each other. The energy keeps building and building and building until it simply has to be released somewhere. 
So it looks, the clouds will look for a tree or a, a cell phone tower for some tall thing to send all that energy out. Basically, the Lord's Prayer is Jesus asking us, would we be willing to be a lightning rod for heaven to touch earth? That at your dinner table, heaven touches earth. When you're brushing your teeth, heaven touches earth. When you're in church, heaven touches earth. When you're in traffic, heaven touches earth. That there's no part of your life that we don't invite heaven to touch earth. Remember, it has to come through invitation. We have to be the ones, according to Jesus, that invite heaven to come. If you're here this morning and you're watching online and you have not invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you have not repented of your sin. Repent is just kind of a weird church word that means we turn 180 degrees away and we surrender our lives to Jesus. We change the way we think. Basically, it's like this. I'm living my life. I don't think Jesus is Lord. I don't think Jesus is Lord. I don't think Jesus is Lord. Some preacher draws a line in the sand and said, I'm telling you, God is good. He is alive. He's not mad at you. He wants to forgive your sin. Jesus is Lord. And you turn and go, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Lord of my heart, Lord of my mind, Lord of everything. And I would get a passport and go to the nations. I would give money to help other missionaries travel into the deepest parts of the world. I would put my life down so that the life of Jesus could be shared all around the world. Some people, they like to use words like, well, I, I got hurt in a church. Yeah, we all have. You know why? Church is full of people. Well, no, no, but it was like the pastor. It was the youth pastor. It was the, the whatever pastor. Yeah, those were people too. People hurt people sometimes. Most people don't mean to, but we do. You're gonna have to forgive that pastor. Some of you got to forgive me. You have to forgive the people that have hurt you because it would be the devil's will to keep you in a place where you do not have that intimate, personal relationship with God the Father. Yes, you still go to church. You throw some money in the bucket. You know, you do a good job. People would assume you're a Christian, but you know your own heart. You're not desperately in love with Jesus. You're just a Texas American, so you go to church on Sunday, once a month. Dude, that's not gonna cut it. Look, when we have brothers and sisters in Christ that are shoveling other people's crap so they can be Jesus followers, being a lukewarm, just kind of lazy American Christian, I'm over it. I'm looking for people that would be willing to lay their lives down, that would pray, that would give, that would serve, that would be lightning rods for heaven to touch earth. Why? Why? For our benefit? because there's now more than seven million people that live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And sure, more than a million people go to church every Sunday, probably closer to two million. But can we talk about the fact that that just left five million people that probably don't have any relationship with Jesus? We're not here to be a lightning rod for the presence of God for our benefit. We're here to receive the goodness of God and then share it everywhere we go for the sake of the lost, for sake of other people. So if you're here this morning and you're not right with God, 
There's, you've allowed sin and complacency back into your life. Maybe you never knew the Lord. Today is your day to get right with God. Today is your day to ask him to forgive you. Today is your day to fall desperately in love with Jesus and that you would be a lightning rod for heaven on earth now. Heaven starts today. If you're here this morning or you're watching online, I wanna lead you in a prayer. Why don't we all pray it together? If you believe it, pray this out loud. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I surrender my life to you. I repent and I turn because I believe that you are Lord. So I'm gonna pursue you. I wanna be a lightning rod for heaven. Let heaven touch earth through my life. Let souls be saved in North Texas because I'm a carrier of the gospel. Give me a heart for the nations. Send me, Lord. Send my money. I'll go. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, say amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, would you shoot your hand up real high? Like it was the first time you prayed that prayer or maybe it was the first time in a long time you prayed that prayer. I see your hand over there. Is there anybody else? Just shoot your hand up. Say, hey, that was me. I see your hand over there. Is there anybody else? I see your hand right there. Is there anybody else? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, online, I didn't forget about you. I saw three or four hands go up. People that said, dude, I prayed that prayer. I'm getting right with God. What about you? I know I can't see you. I know it might be six months from now, but God sees you. Your heart's beating out of your chest. Tears coming down your eyes. I want you to just raise your hands before God and say, Lord, I surrender all to you. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.